Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Well, I absolutely love this week's story, and I think you will too, especially if you've ever struggled with your weight. Um, Then I'm going to share an experience of building a cross-country course and how it is related to our training. And, of course, we had a big thing happen in the professional world that we'll talk about as well. Uh, And then many other interesting, crazy, and fun things. And joining me once again is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. How was your weekend? It was a good weekend, busy weekend, although I have a garage door that doesn't, doesn't open right now. Oh, the drama of Dean and things not working. Yeah, I got a ongoing, isn't it? Put, putting a new garage door <laughs> opener in. You've had to send your computer off. Yeah, your garage door isn't working. What about your lawnmower? Is it working right? My lawnmower is working, working great right now. Yeah. Hey, let, before we go any further, <laughs> I wanna I wanna take a sidetrack real quick. You and I usually don't weigh in on things politically, geopolitically, mm-hmm. worldwide. But I wanted to tell a, a, a little bit of a story. You've heard me talk on here before about my friend Elihi Honig. Mm-hmm. Um, Elihi is a businessman here in Dalton. He is an Israeli Jew. I've told his story on here before of when he was injured way back when, um, and just a crazy story that, that happened to him. Um, Elihi, last Saturday when, when Israel was attacked, uh, that had that came out that morning, and um, by lunchtime, Elihi was in a car on his way to Atlanta to catch a plane to Israel, just mm-hmm. immediately running towards you know what was going on over there. And I remember my brother called me. My brother's his business partner, and he called me and told me what was going on. And I thought, you know that that doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. because I mean his his family is his. He, he was married previously, so he has two kids, three grandkids, I think, in Israel. But my my thinking was, why isn't he bringing his kids this way? And, uh, you know, paying for them a plane ticket to come this way. And I got a chance to talk to Elihi this week, and he really put it in perspective for me. He said, Mitchell, he said, my home is being attacked. And he said the thing that we as Westerners don't understand, especially in the United States, is, you know, if if somebody attacks Georgia, where we live, you know, or does something that we don't like, we'll simply pack up and go to Tennessee. He said, but they don't have that option. He said Israel is a very small country. It's It's a small region of the Middle East. And... It is surrounded by two billion people that hate them yeah. and want nothing more than to wipe them off the face of the earth. And so it really put it in perspective for me the 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 legacy yeah. of that country. I, I mean, obviously we it's 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 God's chosen people. It's it mm-hmm. it's it's riddled in scripture and 
it just it really hit home to me that um I mean he said that everybody that he knows who is Israeli is headed back to Israel now. Yeah. Uh he served in the Israeli military and he said if you you know, you hear them, you hear the media talk about reservists, he said, but basically if you've ever served in the military, which is everybody, yeah. you know, that's one of the things mm-hmm. that's a if if you're a young man, you have to you have to do some kind of public service and and for most people it's the military. Um but it's just it's 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 um it's almost inspiring yeah. to to hear him talk about the situation. And so, you know, this is the first podcast we've done since that and and just to say we're praying. Yeah, you know, for that I mean it's it's heating up more and more it looks if you if you look at the media. Um there's a lot of conflict there, there's a lot of hatred there, but there's a lot of biblical prophecies there yeah. um that almost seem to be playing out right in front of our eyes and so just know we're praying for that whole region over there um the israelis the palestinians as well i mean this is we need to be praying for both sides here and and that's what we're doing here and so i just wanted to kind of start this podcast off by by making that statement and and giving everybody a little perspective from somebody that i know who is in the middle of it right now that as, as we don't we don't realize how blessed we are to live in america amen until you hear about some of the things that we're here about so i didn't want to start it off on a on a heavy note but i feel like it was something that that needed to be said well that's a mouthful and it's true and uh yeah we we i remember back when uh we were having trouble hiring people um and and people were hopping jobs one to another like crazy and it was it was just it was frantic all the time and I remember thinking what we needed was a dose of high unemployment. Now, that's a horrible thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's a horrible thing to think. But the higher unemployment helped um, sure. in a lot of ways. It helped people to understand and appreciate the job that they had right. so that, that all that stuff. It, everybody became more efficient after that. And that's kind of we have to be reminded occasionally sure. of how fortunate we are. Lynn Carroll McDonald had a Facebook post last week that said this. Last week was a hard work week that included long days with no time for runs. Quarter-end accounting close in a publicly traded company makes for strict timelines. These type of work demands is where training has fallen off in the past. Then add in my teenager being in a wreck over the weekend when someone pulled out in front of them. Praise the daughter's car likely totaled, but her friend, her and her friend and teenage driver all walked away safely with some soreness and emotional toll. And I was physically, mentally and emotionally drained when it came to the time I had planned to set aside for the weekend for my runs. But I got out there this evening and got in, got a run in before it got dark on me. I had to walk to answer a few work questions coming through, but was determined to get something in. So I don't know what week or what workout number, but I'm here. LOL. And I will not let this training fall, plan fall apart this far in. <laughs> we hear that a lot, right? Life gets in the way sometimes. But how good it feels sometimes just to get it in. Yeah. I've had those days, and yeah. it's like everything is telling you don't get it in, but you get out there and you walk or you run, and you're like, I mean, it may be getting dark. Yeah. It may be that late in the day, but yep. you get it in, and you come in, and you sit down, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I wanted to remind everybody. Now, this is not a, a, any kind of uh, 
commentary on anything that Lynn talks about specifically here. But one of the things we talk, we have talked about a couple of times on here is the difference between wanting to do something and deciding to do something. And what we have to do is we have to get to that point where we decide to do it, not mm-hmm. want to do it. Um, when, you know, when you're going to do something, we often say, I'm going to try to do this thing. That's wanting to do that thing, mm-hmm. right? But there's a difference when you say, I'm going to do that thing. Um, the best example I can use is my running every mm-hmm. day, right? I don't wonder if I get up when I get up in the morning, am I going to be able to get my run in today? I've already decided mm-hmm. that I will. Um, and I do because I've decided. Uh, and, you know, that's led to runs through the airport and runs around a hotel at 10 o'clock at night in the rain. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've done some weird things just to get it in because I've decided to. I don't hope to run. Well, I think the difference between those two is simply planning. You know, if, if, if you decide that you're going to run tomorrow, then you're going to plan for it. If you won't to run tomorrow, that means you're just going to kind of fit it in when you can. And when you, that's, I've told people, if you're if you're going to do any of these training plans, commit them to your calendar as if it were a meeting. It sounds like that's what Lynn did here. Yeah, and, and because we've got to do that sometimes. Now it doesn't be doesn't have to be hard and fast. I'm sure you wake up some days and you don't know if it's going to be in the morning or the evening, and mm-hmm. you just know you're going to get it in. But the point is, you've made the decision. It's going to be part of my day instead yeah. of a a hope a wish that it's going to be part of my day because yeah. things that you hope to do often fall to the bottom of the list. And and if if your run is there, then, then that's fine. But you need to be honest with yourself that that's where it's at. Because yeah. so many people get to the end of the day and they say, ah, I just didn't have time. Well, it's because you didn't plan it. Yep. And you got to plan this stuff. Yep. And congratulations to Lynn for getting something sure. in. Even if it wasn't exactly what she wanted, yeah. she got something in and she feels good about that. And that's good. Yeah. That's good. All right, we have two trivia answers to discuss this week because we we didn't discuss our trivia answer last week. And the one from two weeks ago is, it is the end of track and field this year, for this year, but all those track and tracks are still out there for us to run on. How long is the average track and how many lanes does it have? Now, when I, when I gave this question, I thought this is just a nice, easy, simple question for everybody to answer. And, and to some degree, it is a nice, easy, simple question, but it's not as simple as I thought once I started looking into it. A standard track, of course, is 400 meters long and has eight lanes, most of them, right? Um, they can have anywhere from six to ten lanes. There's a few out there, maybe even smaller than that, but usually they have eight lanes. Um, Almost all of them are 400 meters. Of course, there are still some tracks out there at one point in time, especially in high schools. They, they did everything in the imperial system. So there are some 440-yard tracks out there, which is about seven feet per lap longer than 400 meters. Um, that's the simple answer. But when I researched it, I learned some cool stuff. The average track is actually not 400 meters if you measure it along the inside lane which is where i would have assumed you measure a track right you measure it on that the the shortest possible point which is right on that inside line Mm -hmm. that's not where they measure tracks is that does that freak you out it blows my mind it does me too so the average so a, a kid that's running a 400 if they're running it on the inside lane, are they not running a 400 if they're running on that line? If they run exactly on that line, they run 498.116 meters. 
I mean, excuse me, 398.16 meters. Oh, I was going to, okay, so, yeah. so this is a typo, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so the, the, it's actually shorter because the way they measure a track is they measure a track, well, it depends. If the track has an inside rail, then they measure the track 20 centimeters out from the rail. Because that's me. where an average person is going to run. 30 centimeters out from the rail, yes. And then if it doesn't have a rail, they measure it 20 centimeters out from the inside line. So a high school track and a professional track, two different distances because they're measured differently. Why is it measured more if it don't have a rail? Because you're more likely to go onto the line. You think that would be it, reversed? It, no, that's the way it is. It, that's, it's, it's measured 20 centimeters out if it has a line, if it doesn't have a rail. 30 centimeters okay. out of it does Okay, you said the opposite. Did I? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. It's That the, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So the track is actually shorter. Yeah, because if, if you're rail. like both my kids, they're they're on the line. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're all over the line. Yes. They would be disqualified if it was a legitimate <laughs> track meet. And then also, this is interesting as well that I learned, that the, the international standards say that the straightaways should be 84.39 meters long, which makes for a, a sweeping turn in a wider track, right? But if you'll notice, most high school tracks uh, have a straightaway that's 100 meters long. Well, why is that? Well, it's so that they can get a football field in the mm-hmm. middle of it. It fits a football field better if that straightaway is 100 meters long. Turns out, 84.39 meters accommodates a soccer field really nicely. So, so that's why you see some tracks. I'm thinking about Dalton High School specifically. It it is probably measured the way it's supposed to be because their start line for like the 100 meters goes off the track. Yeah, but that's just because their finish line is in a different spot. They put their start and finish line in a different place. Really? Yeah. So why would you do that if you didn't have to? That's the way all tracks used to be. It's only a recent thing that they started putting, I say recent, last Mm -hmm. 30 years, that they started putting the finish line at the end of the straightaway. It used to be further in. I think so that the stands were right there. So it was more more central. It's more central. The finish line. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. Um, So, yeah, they're just an old school finish line there but I, th- I do think that it's 100 meters the the straightaway but if you go to lee university i remember going to lee university and thinking man this track looks really wide sure enough this that's why because yeah. it's built to international standards hmm. so isn't that interesting now we know yeah yeah um and i, I did learn that there is a 460 meter track out there named for jakob ingebrigtsen that's odd shaped and it had to be odd shaped so that they could fit it in a particular spot space weird weird looking track so there yeah. are some weird looking ones out there too um i'm glad i asked i'm glad i looked at that looked that up so you mentioned engel brinson yeah you know lane is ready to come back on the podcast he wants yeah. he wants to debate the old school runners versus the runners of today the jim ryan versus the engel brinson i'm just going to leave it right there we don't got to get into it but he, he wants to come he's wanting to come back on here now bring it on baby <laughs> <laughs> Is that a, is that a call out to Lane? Oh yeah, Are you calling him out. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'd be glad to have that debate. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me and let me set up the second question. Okay. Um, all the way back in 1981, I believe we had a trivia contest on our cross country team at Riverdale, and this is one of the questions that was that just stumped everybody, and so I thought that I would ask it here, and particularly on last week's podcast with Richard Westbrook on here. Who is the Native American who had the highest finish for an American at the Olympic 10,000 meters prior to Billy Mills' gold medal in 1964? 
Now, hmm. this one is not easy. <laughs> Did Westbrook know this? Oh, he knew this one, yeah. Well, well he's probably the one that asked the question. He was then. the one yeah, that yeah. asked the question. That's right. Yeah. So the answer is Louis Tewanima. Um, can spell that different ways. Also known as Sokahovi Tewanima. Uh, he was a native American two-time Olympic distance runner and a silver medalist in the 10,000-meter run in 1912. He was a Hopi Indian and ran for the Carlisle Indian School, where he was a teammate of Jim Thorpe. His silver medal in 1912 remained the best achievement in this event until another Native American, Billy Mills, won the gold medal in 1964. Tewanima also competed at the 1908 Olympics, where he finished in ninth place in the marathon. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. He ran the marathon first and then the 10,000 meters. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. Nowadays, it's usually reversed. Uh, Tewanima was a Hopi Native American, spent nearly his entire life on a reservation in Arizona in 1906. As a result of a dispute between the Hopi and U.S. government over school education for children, Tewanima was sent to Fort Wingate in New Mexico and in 1907 to Carlisle Indian School, where he won numerous long-distance races. He once ran the Boston Marathon in 1909, but he failed to finish after he was leading the race in 18 miles. Of course, after 1912 Olympics, uh, Tewanima returned to his reservation and spent the rest of his life herding sheep and growing crops. In 1954, he was selected for the all-time U.S. Olympic track and field team and in 1957 inducted into the Arizona Sports Hall of Fame. Tewanima died after falling from a 70-foot cliff while returning home in the night. Mm. Tewanima is a running legend in the Hopi tribe. They have a race there. Um, at on the top of Second Mesa there in Arizona. It's a 10K and a 5K. It's held on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. Um, they start at the, the top of the Mesa, and they follow a foot trail that descends and then circles around the Mesa. And then the 10K also includes a three-mile run through a riverbed. Um, the last part of the 5K and 10K climb up is a climb upstairs back to the top of the Mesa where the finish line is located. Among other great runners, Billy Mills has been cited in attendance at this event called the Lewis Tewanima Foot Race. This is this is this is crazy, and I'm almost positive this is right, but I think I know somebody that's ran that race. Is that right? Yeah, um, the name sounded familiar. It's the we've had Dean Stamper on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. It's his mother-in-law and her husband, and I just remember them talking about this race and how it was a 10k that came down a mountain. Mm-hmm. And it was in Arizona. I'm assuming I'm putting the pieces together here. I may be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they ran this race. Wow. It's been five, six, seven years ago, maybe. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Sounds like it would be fun. Yeah. Of course, Tewanima, he was a, he was a Hopi Indian tribe folk hero. Um, and it's interesting that until 2000, I think it was 2012 that Rupp ran, won the, uh, the silver medal in the Olympics. The only two medals that went to Americans for the 10,000 meters were Native Americans. Hmm. So kind Very of interesting. interesting. Yeah. And if we would have had Google back when I was in high school, I would have known this way back in high school. <laughs> so how did you figure it out back then, or did you figure it out? We didn't. Nobody got so the answer right. had to tell you the answer. I don't even think he told us the answer. That sounds like him. It does. Yep. <laughs> You got a trivia question, Westbrook. What's the answer? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. 
Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. We're back. Hey, listen, if you haven't sent in a story yet, you need to get on it. You need to get on it. We need some stories right now. So uh, please send us your story. Uh, it's easy. Go to runforgod.com. Go to the bottom of the page. Submit your story. It's really, really, really simple. We Other people's it. stories are much better than ours. That's right. Yeah. You don't want to hear ours. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hearing, hearing the diversity of thought and the, the... It's just incredible if you really sit back and think about it. The... The range of stories that yeah. we've had from yeah. tragedy to triumph, young, old, fit, overweight. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, today's story, it's just, yeah. it, it, it's when so, I saw the title, I was like, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. It's a um, great story. So, yeah, I, just know we've said it a million times on here. If you think your story is vanilla and nobody wants to hear it, you're wrong. Yep. People need to hear it. Somebody out there is going to identify and be encouraged by the words that you put down in writing absolutely well this this uh i had this little story i found from uh johanna gretchel she's a freelance writer and she wrote this story cassie the robot produced by agility robots at osu established a guinness world record for the fastest 100 meters by a bipedal robot with a time of 24.73 seconds this week that's pretty cool that's scary Cassie was created in 2017 and last year ran a 5K around campus in 53 minutes uh, on a single battery charge. Uh, According to Oregon State, Cassie is the first bipedal robot to use machine learning to control a running gait on outdoor terrain. The robot has knees that bend, uses no cameras or external sensors, and operates as if blind. Part of the challenge was to program Cassie to start from a freestanding position, run, and then return to the freestanding position without falling. Completing a 5K was about reliability and endurance, which left open the question of how fast can Cassie run. That led the research team to shift its focus to speed. Graduate student Dean Devin Crowley said in a press release, Cassie can perform a spectrum of different gates, but as we as we specialized it for speed, we began to wonder which gates are most efficient at each speed. This led to Cassie's first optimized running gait and resulted in behavior that was strikingly similar to human biomechanics. The experiment was developed under the direction of OSU robotics professor Jonathan Hurst and artificial intelligence professor Alan Fern with a 16-month, $1 million grant from the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. Pretty cool. I don't like it. You don't like the robot <laughs> I don't thing? like it. I don't like it. It's like Wally is coming to life right before our very eyes yeah. in real life. Yeah. The AI, the, the ability to run and move like a human, I don't know. Well, this wasn't the only robot story either of the weekend. You know, we had another robot story where apparently in the this uh, this happened a while back, but in the um, China uh, 
Asian track and field championships, I think it was, uh, they had these robots that were bringing the discus back to the athletes. So you, you think about it. You throw a discus and you throw it 200 feet. Well, somebody's got to get that discus, retrieve it, and take it back. Well, what they were doing was the people out there would take the discus and put it on one of these robots, and the robot would run it back to where the athlete was. And these robots looked like dogs. I mean, they looked strikingly like dogs. The you know, there's a move. sushi restaurant in Chattanooga that brings you your sushi. Oh, is it a robot? It's oh, a no. robot wait waiter or waitress, whatever it is. But isn't yeah. it funny that the scientist, in trying to figure out the best running gate, they look to us because I'm That's pretty right. sure God got it right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And so they're looking to us to find out. I don't know. It's just kind of comical when you read some of these stories sometimes. But it's also very concerning to me. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm old school, old fashioned. I don't know, but I don't like it. Well, it's coming. Whether you want, it's want coming, it to or yeah. not. Yep, yep. Well. I'm not going to have a robot dog in my yard. <laughs> I'm going to have Louie. He's, he works just fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this week's story. Uh, to me, after the importance of sharing the gospel, this may be one of the next best reasons for us to exist. So this comes from Pam Bishop, and it's called Not Too Fat to Run. When I first started this couch to marathon journey, I mostly kept it at a se- kept it a secret. I was afraid that people would take one look at me and know that I wasn't going to be able to run a marathon because I really don't look like a runner. I'm obese. Three pregnancies and the busyness of parenting three small children left little time for addressing my health and wellness needs. Years of failed diets left me heavier than ever. I got to the point where I really thought I was too fat to run. But in January, I answered God's call to do the impossible, run a marathon. He he was saying, don't worry about the marathon, just be obedient in what you need to do today and trust that I will get you to the finish line. That first day was intervals, 60 seconds of running and 90 seconds of walking. It was hard, but I did it. Showing up one day at a time led me from 60 seconds of running to 20 minutes of running and finishing a 5K and then a 10K. On Saturday, I ran eight miles. A few days ago, I registered to run the Mississippi River Marathon in February, and I have been telling everyone, I don't want to keep it a secret. Although I have lost some weight on this journey, I'm still obese. So when someone gives me a questioning look when I tell them I'm training for a marathon, I get to tell them about my God who loves to make the impossible possible. About how obedience and faith in the small things like running helps me to obey and trust God in the big things. God did not say, lose 70 pounds and then you will be a runner. Just like he never said, make yourself perfect and then I will use you. God wants to do great things through his children for the purpose of glorifying himself and bringing the lost into salvation. I do not have a natural ability for running, but God has given me a joy for running that he can use as a light to draw people to Jesus. There are times when God calls us to do impossible things for his glory. He did not promise to give us confidence in our own abilities, but he did say that he would equip us once we agreed to follow him into the unknown. The prophet Isaiah was very aware of the of his own sin and inadequacy, but that didn't stop him from responding to God with, Here I am, send me. A modern day story 
of a believer's willingness to serve God in an unimaginable way is that of Todd Beamer, the man on Flight 93 known for his last words before the plane went down, let's roll. Neither Isaiah nor Todd were prepared for what they were getting into, but God honored their faithfulness by using them both in mighty ways. Running a marathon is not as terrifying as facing a rebellious nation or terrorist, but the willingness to respond to God in faith when facing the unknown is the greatest offering we can give to our Lord and Savior. I recently ran eight miles. That's a far cry from 26.2, but I am trusting God with the impossible and with the unknown. It is going to be so awesome to see my Run for God family cheering for me at the end of the marathon. But as amazing as that will be, it pales in comparison to how much I long to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, when I finally finish this great earthly race. Pam gets it. Doesn't she? Great job, Pam. This is, I love the transparency. I love the the honesty. Um, a lot of people need to hear this, including me. Yeah. Uh, but she gets it. Yeah, she does. Man. It's just hard for me to put into words how much I love this story. The way it's written, the the way that she goes about it, the like you said, all those things. It's just great, and and so many different reasons. Number one, she's correct. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your body type is. Sure. So many people preclude themselves from running just because of their body type. Um, two, uh, you don't wait till you're ready. You don't wait until you're ready. You'll never be ready. You could, there would be no kids in this world if we all waited till we were ready to have right. kids, right? That's the one I always use. Um, three, God will equip you for what he wants you to do. If God wants you to do something, he will make it work. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, of course, um, God is looking to use all of us. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that in this whole thing. Um, she's wondering, you know, people are going to look at Pam and they're going to go, I wonder how you know how she's going to run a marathon well imagine what they're going to say after she runs the marathon and she says i have already run a marathon you know it's what an impact that is going to have on people who who look at her i love it because she takes away she, she takes away excuses from people mm-hmm. you know i've 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 mentioned the story of uh the race the triathlon i was doing one time with scott rigsby yeah and yeah. which is a guy with no legs mm-hmm. and he two prosthetics and he was running the race and i come up beside a guy that was struggling that was wanting to quit and this guy in some very colorful language said i just can't do this i want to quit but there's a guy with some colorful words who's out here running with no legs what's my excuse yeah and that's exactly what pam's doing she's she's taken away because we talked about this last night you know i said that we we usually do this as a family the story Sunday nights before we record this and uh Christian was at our house uh, yeah. Lane's dating a girl and uh she was talking about the I can't do something because is typically typically a reason for not wanting to do something hard mm-hmm. you know I I can't because put in whatever it is and she's right i mean are there people who can't yes but i would say i'm not gonna put a number the vast majority that's christian drop yep it's it's they're not wanting to do something hard and i'm not i'm not throwing rocks because i've done it you've done it we've all done it yep but the the first step in fixing that is to be honest about it yeah and 
that's what Pam did. She 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 stared down the barrel of this marathon marathon and said, "It's going to be hard. I don't look the part. I may not want to do it, but I can do it." Yeah, and she's doing it. Yeah, it's awesome. Kudos to her. Isaiah six eight says, "And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?' And then I said, Here I am. Send me." Isn't that a great scripture reference for what she's talking about here? Um, in Pam's circumstances, most people, um, you know, would have doubt about what she what she can do. But she's saying, God, listen, I, if you're pushing me in this way, and she's convinced that God called her to do this in January, you're, you're pushing me in this. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. You want me to do it? Um, and of course, in Isaiah's circumstances, you know, God's calling out, um, and Isaiah's just saying, Lord, just just use me. And what happened? What's happening in in what happened in Isaiah's circumstances, and what is happening in Pam's circumstances? Great things, mm-hmm. right? This great story um, is happening because of a willingness just to just to say, "Okay, God, let just use me." Well, there's so much to learn. I mean, you, you've got Isaiah, you've got Abraham, you've got the disciples who Jesus just said, "Follow me, go." Mm-hmm. There, there was, and we'll get into it in, in I think it's the last question, but th- there was no question. There was no reason. I can't because I, I, it was, okay, here I am. Yeah. Send me. Yeah. Man, that could radically change our walk with Christ and our lives in general. It could. If we just had that posture with God. Yeah. But so many times we have those I can't because statements. Or we dip our toe in. And we say, we say, yeah, use me, and we dip our toe in, and it gets hard or uncomfortable, That's and we, hot. we pull That's out hot water. Yeah, we pull our toe back out, yeah. and we go, ah, I guess I couldn't do that. Yeah, but if God sent us, we can do it. Hebrews thirteen twenty and twenty one. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great Shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's the, like the very end of Hebrews. Of course, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is for sure, um, but God's going to use us for whatever he has in store. And of course, that's the main thing that we have to keep in mind is the scripture reference, the one that people use, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You know, we talk about that all the time and put that in context of for the things he wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, could we do anything? Yeah, we could. But God, God wants us to do the things that are going to glorify him. Mm-hmm. And as long as we're on that path, the path he has for us, then he's going to bless it and he's going to figure out how to, to help us get that done. Um, and we can do anything with God's help as long as it's his will. And I think where we get tripped up sometimes is, is that a whole idea of his will. What is his will? Because a lot of times we've talked about before, we want to do good things and we're doing good things, but it's not just doing good things. It's doing the good thing that he wants us to do. Well, I think I think some people get hung up on the what what God's will is. God's will is simply what he wants us to do. Yeah. That is God's will. We use will a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, when you... When you create a will upon your death for your family, it's simply what your wishes are. Mm. And that's what God's will is. It's what his wishes are or what he wants for our life. And sometimes I think we – sometimes I think that word 
God's will is kind of ambiguous maybe, but it's yeah. it's simply what God wants us to do. So you're either inside of that that framework or you're outside of that framework. Yeah. And too many times we we say God's will and it can be good things, but it's what we're wanting to do and it's not what God's wanting to do. Sometimes it's the easy path and God simply wants us to take the hard path. And we try to rectify those those, you know, things together and or reconcile those things together and and it, and it never works yeah it's you, you got to go god's path and not try to trailblaze your own path yeah matthew six thirty four. therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble that word anxious, of course, evokes it evokes more than one thought, right? It's the, it can be I'm looking forward to, you know, I'm, we're anxious to get on the roller coaster is mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to getting on that roller coaster. That's one one form of it. But the one we're most identified with and one we think about most of the time is I'm anxious because I'm I'm worried. It, yeah, the, 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 the worry is, is the thing that, that gets us. Um, and it's hard, right? Yeah. That's hard not to worry. Um, but how many times does the Bible tell us not to worry? 103. 103? We looked it up last night. All right. Well, yeah. good. 103 times. Yeah, because there's this urban legend out there that it's 365 and it matches the number of days in the year. That's not true. It's 103 times. Yeah. Um, and we've said on here before, if if God says something once, you need to listen. If he says something twice, you really need to listen. If he says it 103 times. He's pretty serious about it. Yeah. At that point. And that that is probably the hardest thing one of the hardest things we deal with in our walk with Christ is is not being anxious because everything the world is saying is fear, you know, you need to be worried about this. It's it's the world plays on our fears to get us to buy things, to get us to do things and to get us to think things. But there's really nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. There really is nothing to fear except fear itself. Who was it said that? Is that John F. Kennedy? John F. Kennedy, yeah. Um, man, I, yeah, that just came no. to my mind. Was that John F. Kennedy? Or was that uh, fear Roosevelt? Fear Either one of them. It was a very smart statement because it's yeah. true. Yeah. We really have nothing to fear except the fear, except fear itself because we're told 103 times in Scripture, don't do it. Yep. So we should be fearful of I'm going to stop there. <laughs> That's going to go into a never-ending circle. We, the scripture's clear. We it should is. not fear. We should not be anxious. We should not stress. Stress is selfishness. Yeah, it is. It's it's saying this is too big for God. I'm putting it on myself. Self-induced. When that is so selfish. Yep. Yep. Here's a question: Have you ever disqualified yourself from doing God's work by saying I'm too fat, too old? too inexperienced, too busy, too in debt, too introverted. Did you do it anyway? What was the result? If you did not do it, what did you miss out on? This is where we got to talking about the I'm twos last night. Yeah. yeah that that I'm two those two words preceding you know some statement is is simply us not wanting to face some kind of trial or something hard mm-hmm. or and we we make that excuse when it's okay to say i'm okay with saying i don't want to do that but to say i'm too is a cop-out yeah that's right and and be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and there's i mean it's pretty liberating mm-hmm. what 
you know, to say I'm too old to run a marathon today would be not true. Yep. But to say I don't want to run a marathon today, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That's okay. It's we got to be honest. That's a good good distinction. I, I have an example of where where I I was kind of in this boat of questioning, and it, it's our our church. I'm I'm very fiscally conservative. I haven't had a credit card in over twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, about three or so years ago, you know, our church started talking about spending a bunch of money mm. to try to get youth into our church and i was really i didn't want to do it mm-hmm. i didn't want to do it we've been praying for years to bring youth into our church and it wasn't happening and so there there's all this talk about spending all this money and it just made me break out you know uh, to spend all this money thank god i was overruled <laughs> because somebody else was more in tune with god's will at that time and you're overrun with kids now where we are i mean wednesdays is just a wild madhouse at our church these days because of we because of that faith that that mm-hmm. somebody else not me i was the one going no 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 mm-hmm. and you know i look back now and i go what a fool I yeah. Was. Yeah. but you know listen we all make those mistakes right sure. so if you're out there and you've made that mistake and you realize i should have or it's just part of human nature to be that way. But next time, I'm going to do better. <laughs> next time, I'll think about it a little bit more. Next time, I'll pray a little bit more. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. get more in tune with what God's got in store for us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the way we have to do Remind it. Remind me to tell you something after the podcast. <laughs> Another question. Why is it so hard to trust God with the unknown? How do we become more like Isaiah with a genuine willingness to go where God leads? So we talked about this one last night, and so I'm, I'm going to kind of rephrase the question. How do we get better at following God into unknown areas? Yeah. That kinda, that's what I kind of think the heart of this question is. And what, so the question is really, when does it get easier? And my answer, what I come to the conclusion last night is it doesn't. And it's for the same reason, remember Denise Ziegler come up to me all those years ago and said, when does running get easier? It doesn't. Yep. That 90-second run that you did in week one of the 5K challenge gets easier. Mm-hmm. But we're we're to be, in running, we're to be constantly pushing ourselves outside our comfort zone and doing hard things. That's how we get faster and able to run longer. Mm-hmm. So the workout that I'm prescribed today that I've never done, the workout that you're going to do next week that you haven't done in a long time, it's not easy. Right. You, you never go to the track to do a, a workout that's easy, do you? No. And What's the, the things point? we do of God, if if done right, they're not going to be easy. It's mm. never going to be because, yes, God may have called me to, when I was young, he might have called me to 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 simply keep my mouth shut when my friends were saying something. Mm. And that was hard to do then. Or it might have been to speak up. And and today he today he calls us to do things that are that are much bigger and they're they're equally as hard, right? Because back then I was on milk. Yeah. Today I like to think that I'm on on meat, and and mm-hmm. God is asking me to do bigger things. So it's it's still hard. Yeah. 
proportionately, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to say. It's the same. Yeah. And it, and it won't get easier. But that's the beauty of we just get to do bigger things for God. Yeah. It is, is we're faithful in the little things. He will give us more. We like to associate that with money, but that is, that is oftentimes it's more hard things. Yeah. And, but that is a blessing. It is. We don't like to associate it with, with that side of it, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Man, good illustration. Last question. What if we honestly feel God calling us to do something, to something, but it never happens? For example, I feel like God is calling me to complete the Couch to Marathon challenge. But what if an injury or illness gets in the way and I'm just not physically able to run 26.2 miles? Did I misunderstand God? Was the call more about the journey than the destination? So I feel like she nailed it on the last question. Yeah. Was the call more about the journey than the destination? Because I feel like so many times, and and maybe I'm out of line here, I feel like so many times we put the destination. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Because you go back to Scripture and, and... when Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say where they were going. Mm-mm. He said, follow me. When God Abraham spoke to Abraham, he, he didn't know where he was going. Mm-hmm. He had no clue. Pick up your stuff, leave your family, and follow me. Mm-hmm. It, I think a lot of times, and we're going through this book called The Infinite Journey. I think God calls us to infinite things. He's an infinite God. Mm-hmm. He's not a finite God. He, But we, so many times, we like to have that ending point. And I don't think there's anything wrong with putting that marathon out there but a lot of time and this is where you got to go into following god with eyes wide open because we may be looking at some goal and i'm not saying that's that's what pam did but i'm saying i do this a lot i'll put this thing out there that i know god is calling me in that direction but sometimes we get our blinders on and what god was really calling us was this right turn out here at week 50 that he has this great thing where if we would not have been following that thing, we would never have got that right turn that he's yeah. directing us to. Um, yeah, I think I think she nailed it with that last question. It's more about the journey of because I mean we see it all the time. People people say I was called to this, but God changed it to this, and I I don't know that he necessarily changed it. I think yeah. we just. We got on out there a little bit, and we saw the trail that was actually there. Yeah. You know? Well, we see this with with high school runners all the time. They miss the idea that the training is important, and it's an important part of all of it, right? Mm -hmm. They're just looking at race day. That's all that matters. And as long as they're there and giving it their all on race day, that's all that matters. But there's a lot of preparation for that race day, and sometimes there's not a good recognition for that. I was thinking about back when I first started coaching with Dalton State, I had a couple of ladies on the team, and one of them was um, was troubled in ways that she got into stuff she shouldn't have gotten into. Um, the other one was, was troubled in a way of thinking she thought she should be a boy and not a girl. And mm-hmm. Anyway, we had all of this, th- this controversy, and I thought God had me there to try to gently guide them back to the right place mm-hmm. well that didn't happen both of those athletes quit that next week and i thought well is the, god i thought you were telling me that's 
what I was here for at this point. And it's that was all part of this plan. But then does that mean that I was wrong about what I thought? Well, no, it doesn't mean that because it could be it, it could have been something like, well, maybe they maybe they needed to hear my words and maybe they didn't have an impact on them that day, that season, but maybe they will two years from now. You set up a boundary that didn't move. Right. And people, it may not be today, mm-hmm. but they remember that. Yeah. And that's what that's what those girls needed. Yeah. Or maybe there was somebody else on the team that needed to hear mm-hmm. or needed to see that boundary, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe there's still something to be revealed about how all of that's going to help. Maybe the reason for that whole thing was so we could mention it on this podcast this morning. Sure. Who knows? But there's there's a reason for it. And there, and whenever things don't turn out just like we think they should turn out, doesn't mean that God didn't have us on that journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for us to to have faith that God's still got something. We see it all the time, right? We see something that doesn't go right, but turns out right in the end in mm-hmm. some way that we never expected. It's kind of like somebody upstairs knows what he's doing. Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the entire Bible every day for a full year. You don't want to miss hearing this transplanted Southern boy try to pronounce those biblical names now, do you? It may be good for a laugh. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run Club to get access. So if you're not a member, join today. If you are a member, just find a Walk Through the Bible under the Nationwide Challenge tab. saw this quote recently from Ibrahim Hussein. He's a runner. Remind me who he is. He's not the guy that just set the world record. No, no, no. Okay. He's, he's a, but he is a Kenyan runner. Okay. And he said, if you put two winners in one race, the possibility of one dropping out is very high. So we need to bring them together and tell them that silver is also very good. In case one of them is not going to get gold, he should not drop out. He should just hang in there and win silver for the country. I used to have that problem when I was running. Whenever I realized that the gold was not there, the chances of dropping out of the race midway were very high. Second place or third place was nothing for me. But you see, we need the silver and the bronze for the country. Isn't that sad that that has to be said? It is, but it's kind of the way of the Kenyan, the way the Kenyans train is like this, right? So what he's referring to is you have Elliot Kipchoge and Kelvin Kiptum, the two best marathoners in the world, and it's not even a question, and they're having the Olympic marathon. Kelvin Kiptum, is he the one that just set the record? He's the one that just set the record, yeah. And so um, I don't know if a lot of people understand this, but the way Kenyans run is if they're going to go out on a group run and it's a 12-mile run, the way the Kenyans run is – I'm going to go with a group that's faster than me, and I'm going to hang with them as long as I can, and then I'll just drop off when I can't stay with them anymore. Uh, we would never train that way in the United States. We would say, here's a max. Here's the, the Well, that's different 
than dropping out. Dropping off is different than dropping out. It, it is, but I think that training, the the way they train, leads to dropping out. I think that mindset of hanging in there as long as you can and then quitting. So you're is, saying is a physically walking off the course? Yes. But see, it, I have a huge problem. You know this. I just have a huge problem with that. Oh, I do too. I do too. But one of the things that this does, this mindset does, is it trains their mind better. And, and I wonder if that's not the whole secret behind Kenyans is their minds are different than they, than we are here mm-hmm. because of the way they think. You know that. You know, for for us, for most people, it's like well, whatever place. You know, I just want to do my best. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in Kenya, for a lot of them, it's like it, it's win or nothing. And yes, I don't I don't like that, but it it makes them incredibly tough mentally, and it makes you wonder about. Yeah, I see that side. Yeah, but I don't I don't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it, it's just it's an interesting di- difference between the way Kenyans do things and the way we do things, it and. Is. Yeah, that, and that's probably why we don't like it because it's not the way Americans would right. typically do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. You remember when we made the Grove Level cross country course? I do. I remember how hot it was. <laughs> it was blazing hot. I didn't remember that. Days. Yeah, it was. Well, this is about that process. It's called working with the land. Several years ago, I was asked to help create a new cross-country course. The property was beautiful. I still remember driving up to the open fields the first time. When I looked at it, I said, this looks like a cross-country course. I was excited to get started. We soon found out that that looking at the property and actually setting up a course are two completely different things. We would have to blaze a trail through the woods for a good portion of the path, and there were some low wet spots that needed to be avoided as we set out to mark the course. We would move in one direction and find that we were approaching a wet area, and we would have to back up and go a slightly different direction. We we knew we wanted to make a big loop as close to the perimeter of the property as we could without running into obstacles. We had to cut down some trees that were on our intended path, but we went around most of them. It was interesting the way we had to work with the land to create the path. We couldn't simply just draw a big circle and say, there you go, instant cross-country course. We worked with the contours of the land and the water that flowed through it to create a loop that was close to one mile long. Then we went back, made some slight changes to make it exactly one mile. What we really wanted was a a one-and-a-half-mile loop, so we then set out to create a half-mile loop inside of the one-mile loop. Once we set a, set a course, we realized two things. It was too long, and two, it went, went through an area that was too wet. Again, we modified the loop to both avoid the wetness and come out to be exactly half a mile. After setting up a start and finish line, we had created our two-loop 5K course. Today, it is known as the Grove Level North Running Walking Trail. Our training looks a lot like the creation of a cross-country course. We have to work with what we have. Some can't handle high mileage while some or some can handle high mileage while some cannot. Some can tolerate lots of speed work while others crumble under that kind of work. But if we're really thoughtful and pay attention and work with the body we're given, we can maximize our potential. We had to build two bridges on the mile and a half loop of the cross country course. There were a couple of areas that we had to traverse that were simply too wet. Sometimes we have to do a little extra to make our training work. 
It may be ice baths, foam rolling, trips to the chiropractor, or a million other interventions. But those things are necessary to get the most out of ourselves. Those bridges on the cross-country course add character. They make the course more interesting. And all that extra work you do to stay in shape makes accomplishing your goals that much sweeter. God works on us sort of like building a cross-country course. There are areas of our lives where things go smooth, and he follows the contours of what he must work with. But other times, he has to construct bridges and knock down some big trees to mold us into what he wants us to be. We don't like to have parts of our lives uprooted, but sometimes that's what it takes. We should be thankful that God is willing to bring out the excavator sometimes and keep us on track. Building a cross-country course was fun, but it was challenging at times. Finding our best running fitness through trial and error can be fun, but painful at times. Having God mold us into what he wants us to be can be really tough at times, but the end product and our eventual eventual destination as a result is totally worth it. It's a great story, Dean. Never I've never put those parallels together, but it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 true. You kind of have yeah. to work with the the land. I think about a golf course is the same way, right? Yeah. Somebody's going to design a golf course. You kind of have to work with what the land does and, um, and yeah. to, to make it work. And sometimes God has to cut down those trees in yep. our life. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Or make or, or create a bridge. I think I just got over the sore shoulder I had from carrying those two-by-sixes that one day on those bridges. <laughs> that was a lot of carrying. Yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, gosh. By the time we got to the other end of the bridge, it was probably, what, a quarter of a mile from where the lumber was stacked? It sure felt that way. And we carried it all down in there by hand because you couldn't really get equipment down there yep. or you couldn't back a truck down in there. So as um, the bridge got longer, our trip got longer. So speaking of sore shoulders, you I'm taking a right turn here. You did something last Thursday that you've never done. Let me set this up because I think this part's hilarious. So Kevin Drake, the uh, – director of upward sports was in town last week we had some meetings here and and just kind of getting to know each other a little bit better him and our whole team and so kevin is a hunter and fisherman and as well as am i and uh so i thought it'd be cool to go shoot sporting clays it's kind of like skeet but they come out in different directions so it's sporting clays and so i was kevin and i were going i invited a a friend of mine and i thought well i'm gonna invite dean too and so I sent you a calendar request for that, and you immediately said yes. And I thought, wow. So I picked up the phone, and I called, called you, because I, I know you don't hunt or really anything like that. So I said, I was just making sure that, you know, you wanted to do this. And you said, yeah. And I said, when's the last time you shot sporting clays? You said, I've never pulled the trigger on a gun. <laughs> So that was inc- that we, we, the anticipation was just eating us up because I've never been with a person who their first trigger pull of a gun was actually at a sporting clay. So how did you like it? It was fun. It was fun. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Is your shoulder sore? It, it was because mine it's gets bruised. sore. I mean, I've got I've got a bruise. Yeah, I got a bruise. Shooting a hundred times tends yeah. to bruise your shoulder, but I just yeah. thought that was. Kudos to you for just jumping in. Because if I doing something I've never done, I want to sneak off and do it by myself first. And yeah. Get right. But you were like, eh, let's just go do it. Well, I, I didn't really have a choice because I don't have a gun. And you so. did really good. I mean, you shot 22, which. 26. 26. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> which, 
you know, I'm going to throw there, – there is another – let's just put it this way. There is another upward team member who did the same exact thing, and he shot zero. Oh. We won't say his name. No. Because – we we really like this guy. Yeah, but you shot twenty six, so yeah. that's that's a uh, that's very impressive. It, it was fun, and I I felt like I was starting just barely starting to get the hang of it. By the time we got by the time we got through, I was I was hitting almost half of them. Yeah, the last several stations, but uh, but it was fun. It yeah. was fun to do, and and I, yeah, I don't mind I don't mind doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't mind being. Well, you I, jumped in an like archery a tournament one time with Landon. Yeah, having never done it. Yeah, and y'all won. Yeah. Well, we finished second. Or second. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I just don't mind doing stuff. I yeah. mean, I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I, I know you I'll, are. I'll jump in and I may look like a fool, but yeah, you, so what? you don't know till you try it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You might actually like it. And that's a good lesson to other folks out there. Listen, if you're embarrassed to do so, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, I, it felt really weird and awkward for me to step into that little booth whatever it is that you shoot from that the first time i didn't know what i was doing yeah <laughs> but you know you just it, i think it was cool for you to get the opportunity to show somebody yeah how to do it yeah too it so and, and a lot of times that's what you, you miss when you when you're embarrassed to do it you miss the fact that the people who are around you mm-hmm. that are participating with you they're excited to get a chance to do that with you for yeah. the first time so yeah. yeah don't don't be don't be shy it was a lot of fun but, so ne- next step is getting you in a deer stand yeah well we'll see <laughs> um well this this whole story about god molding us um is one of those things where we we talk all the time about how training plans are, are they're a dime a dozen right i mean there's there's so many ways to get there um and, and our our plan the one that works best for me is not the same one that's going to work best for you mm-hmm. and that we have to figure out how to and that goes to everything in life everything sure. in life there's not one way to do almost anything and um you know it, it, it was funny talk about the sporting clays when uh there were two things that were said that made a big difference and i don't even know if you caught either one of these mm-hmm. but at one point in time after the first station maybe the second west goes are you looking down the barrel or are you just shooting in the general direction and i was like i'm kind of just shooting in the general direction and i you know and i realized okay that's i was doing that wrong right and so i fixed that and and started doing it different and you said you said you look like you're leaning back you need to kind of brace yourself and lean into it and and both of those things made a big difference yeah and um yeah, it's and it's just listening, paying attention, and just working with what you've got. And yeah. uh, there's so many ways out there that we can get better if we'll just listen to the people around us. But so many times, it's easy when you're just learning something new. Yeah. But so many times we think we know, and so we we kind of push people away instead of mm-hmm. going, well, maybe I'll try it. Yeah, and see what who was it said? I, I've never failed at anything, or I I didn't fail at that task a hundred times. I simply found a hundred ways of not doing something. Well, it's about your perspective. Yeah, it is about and, your perspective. And, and listening to those around you and and understanding that none of us know it all. Yeah, and that we can learn a lot from each other, and um, and it works that way in running. It also works that way in in our spiritual lives. Sure, right, absolutely. I mean, God, God has ways of putting us into things, and it's it's called working with our spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. what is your spiritual gift you know both of us have this opportunity to help each of our uh, respective churches with the sound system Mm -hmm. 
there's not a lot of glory in working with the sound system. There's actually the opposite. There's, you get the dirty looks. And that, the, that's true. Look, nobody ever comes to the sound booth and says, Dean, sound was awesome today, do they? It's, they do me. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Well, every once in a while somebody well, you say... You just, just kick that bucket out from under me because I yeah. never get that. They say, they'll come to me and say, we just want you to know we really appreciate what you do. There's more of the... More of the well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get yeah. that. But, yeah. but nobody... If it's the quality of sound, you only yeah, get the latter. That's right. You get the. That's you need true. to turn that up someday. Yeah, that's true. You need to turn that down that's a little true. bit. But in the long run, what we're what we're able to do by doing something so little as just mm-hmm. sliding a few knobs here and there um, is that maybe something that we do has an impact on somebody that's sitting there. Sure. And it, it's for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And God can use you in so many ways so if you think he can't find what you're good at mm-hmm. and and find a way to use that for god's glory that's why i run for god was born sure right while you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually we've partnered with j radio to put together a group of running playlists by dean lane holly myself and others that you hear here on the run for god podcast plus you can listen to a playlist put together by members of run club just like you check out the whole station of run for god playlist at jradio.com and in the j radio app I share a reason why running and or walking is so awesome. And this is my, this week, it's, it is truly a worldwide sport. You know, there are runners in every country. You take another sport like basketball, it's all over the world. We'll play it in every country, but it's just not very important in, in a lot of countries, right? Now, soccer, or as the Europeans may call it, football. Um, it's probably the closest thing to running as far as worldwide appeal, but you don't find many 50-year-olds playing soccer. It's true. You do have some, mm-hmm. but not many, but you find a lot of 50-year-old runners. And so I think that it it being a truly worldwide sport is a good reason um, to pick it up. Well, you and I have had the debate about the when is it going to be sub two, mm-hmm. and I have said it's going to be a long time. And you have said, I think it's not too far away. And this past weekend, it sure looks like um, it's right around the corner because Kelvin Kiptum, who's a Kenyan, he ran two flat 35. How do you say that? Is it two flat 35? Two hours and 35 seconds. Yeah. it's it, that be right? It, it kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I, I thought this was a typo when I first saw it because, because, I mean, at least to me, Chicago's not a place that you think about. Well, it's a fast race, the, but it's not London or one of the what are the what are the ones that you usually think of? London and Berlin yeah. usually, but the the, the Chicago is just as flat as those. The difference is is that a lot of times Chicago's weather is wonky, right? Yeah. So it's either really windy, it's really hot. There could yeah. be lots of things wrong. Well, this this year it turns out weather was really good. Uh, it was a little bit windy, but not too bad. Well, I saw his finish and. I think I mentioned to you, I think in the last quarter mile, I guess is probably what I'm thinking about. He was, he knew he had it. He knew he was 
not going to break it, but he was very close, at least from the look on his face. I mean, it looks like he had another 10 seconds in him just in that last quarter mile because he was he was borderline celebrating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was he wasn't looking like most people do when they cross the finish line of a marathon. I mean, he was he didn't appear to be gassed. Yeah. You know, I think he. I don't know. I feel like, and then you start thinking, if you had 10 seconds there, so that drops you down to 25 seconds away, you're, you're talking one second per mile Yeah, yeah. difference. Man, that is just such a razor-thin margin when you really think about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was this Chicago Marathon was amazing because you had that record, then you had um, uh, the women's uh, winner Safan Hassan was amazing, and then and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, they also there was also a women's um, masters record set too. Um, uh, uh, I'm, her name's escaping me right now, mm-hmm. um, but uh, she was a former Boston Marathon winner, and she set there. She ran two twenty seven as a forty year old, so uh, that's pretty amazing. But I'm wondering. The biggest question to me is how much better are the shoes going to get? Because I am convinced that without the new shoe technology, we would still be at 204, 205. Um, because I think it's the shoes. I think it's mostly the shoes. And um, I don't. I, I, this is where we differ a little. I think, yes, a humongous portion of it is the shoes. But I think. I still go back to the fact that I think because it's been done, people know that it can be done, and the menta- the mentality shift when talking about a sub two hour marathon has definitely shifted. Well, he didn't go out trying to break two hours. I mean, his first his first half was in almost one oh one. So if he was trying to break two hours, he would have won out in in one hour flat. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. But he know. ran the second half in fifty nine forty seven. So, um, yeah, I, I don't tell know. Me he hadn't thought about it, though. Oh, he ha- I'm sure he has. And he's thinking about it now. And yeah. I think he thinks he can do it. I don't think he thought he was fit enough to do it this time. <laughs> Amazingly enough. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm, and I don't even know who this guy is, but I'm definitely he's on my radar now because I want to see his next race. Yeah. You know, you know that he's going out with that goal next time. Well, you know, we just had the women's world record broken in a new Adidas shoe. Mm hmm. Um, well, it turns out he had a Nike prototype shoe on. So it's another version of the Nike shoe that's better than the hmm. previous ones, apparently. So I think it's both and. Yeah. I don't think it's only the shoe. Yeah. I don't think it's only the mentality. I think it's, I think that is a perfect storm that we're getting to watch. Well, this, you know how you were talking, we were talking about the robots a little while ago and how it kind of, it's kind of wonky and it kind of bums you a little bit. That, that's the way I feel about this. It's kind of hard to watch the technology be the the gap between where we are and where we were in the past and that be a big portion of it um because it 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 it, it kind of diminishes what's been done in the past but yeah, i yeah but you can say that of records 10 years ago you, you can that's what I, that's what i mean that's what and i'm that's talking why, about i mean i'm on the triathlete side so triathletes we tend to embrace technology but i get it i get what you're yeah. saying but you can also i mean you from jim ryan to you know 2010 yeah there was definitely advances in shoes yeah and it's just the advance from 2010 to today is probably is a much steeper yeah but that's always gonna i mean there's no getting away from that unless yeah. we put everybody back to running in you know converse flats 
<laughs> you know, it's we're never going to be able to. And that's where my argument with Lane is, because he was saying, you know, there's just really no way to really test this theory. And I said, yeah, there is. I said, give Jacob Ingelbritson a pair of the shoes that Jim Ryan run in, put them on a cinder track, and let's yeah, let's end this story. Yeah, that would be the end of it. Too. <laughs> you can, you can yeah. replicate that. Yeah, yeah, but you just have to go backwards. It would be interesting to see how fast they could run a day. I, I, from a marathon perspective, I think about Alberto Salazar who ran, you know, low two oh eights in the marathon way back in the early eighties. You know, we don't have many American men that can run two oh eight now. Yeah, and he did it way back then, and. Gosh, how fast could he be running? Yeah. You know, uh, ooh, it's crazy. Gonna be interesting. Uh, but it's 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 interesting. It is. So, what is the next uh, major that he would probably be running in? Um, probably the Olympics is probably going to be the next one. Mm. So next year, you should have he and Kipchoge racing each other in the Olympics next year, both and, from and Kenya. That's, that's in Paris. They could, yeah, they could. Is it flat? Yeah, no. No, I don't think it is. So it wouldn't be a world record. I think record there are course. some hills. No, it's not a world record mm. course. Um, although you could have, you know, back in when the Olympics were in Atlanta, I can't remember his name right now. It's escaping me. But the guy who won the Olympics in Atlanta ran like stupid fast, mm. and it was hotter than blazes that day. And he 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 just he went out and ran away from everybody, and everybody was like, "Oh, he's making a huge mistake." And he just kept running away from everybody. Yeah, and uh, so sometimes, sometimes even on a tough course or whatever, you still do pretty well. So we'll sometimes see. Sometimes you surprise yourself. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. But I think you know what I think is that um, what what happened with Kiptum. Now Kiptum's only twenty three years old. Supposedly, he says he's twenty three. There are other records that say he's twenty six. We don't know what the truth is. <laughs> I didn't um, know that that was a controversy. Yeah. He said how old somebody was. Yeah. But, you know, there's another controversy that you and I have discussed here that, that comes up in this one, mm-hmm. right? He's never run the track races. He never ran the shorter distances. He basically started mm-hmm. with the marathon. Now, he did some half marathons and some other stuff, and I'm sure when he was young, he ran some shorter races. But um, he's basically came onto the scene as a marathoner. Uh, which I think is fascinating because mm-hmm. we just don't see that. Mm-hmm. You know, we always see the guys who come up through track, um, but it's be- becoming more lucrative, I guess, to be a marathoner these days. And so uh, I guess that's why, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of times what happens, I think the reason why kids start in, in shorter races is because there's more money on the track than mm-hmm. there is on the roads. Well, now there's probably as much money on the roads as there is on the track. And mm-hmm. so people are, going straight there apparently so anyway that's i I think that makes this whole story really interesting too and then here's a really interesting thing about this guy in the days leading up um to his marathons he runs 185 miles a week i said 185 miles a week for three weeks in a row what is that 25 miles a day that's crazy isn't it Wow! Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But that's what he's that's 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 the kind of training he does. Now the question with that is, how long is his body going to hold up with that kind of beating? I I don't know. I don't know. And is is a lot of that being done in the super shoes so that his body does recover faster? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of the reason for for all of this. But for all of those people out there who say that, uh, you know, you can do it with shorter mileage and that you know. 
that there's no magic in running a lot of miles well here's here's something that says something else <laughs> i think it i think it's just so individual it, it is i think it is it, i think it is some people can't handle it some people can some people need it some people don't i'm saying what i'm saying is if you can handle it it's beneficial oh yeah that's for sure yeah well, and here's another twist of this story. Apparently, up to this point, Elliot Kipchoge still hasn't called him or he hasn't like sent a message out on social media or anything congratulating him. Makes me wonder if there's something behind the scenes we don't know about with this, you know, because Kipchoge's always been a really nice guy. So I find it interesting that he hasn't congratulated him for breaking his record. That's uh, hmm. uh, anyway, makes 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 me wonder about things that could be going on with Kip, with Kipchoge wasn't in that race, right? No, 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 no. What's no he, he ran. Race? He ran Berlin recently, and he won Berlin. Right. He ran two hundred two something in Berlin. So, uh, and anyway. the record previous to this record, the two hour was two hundred what two hundred one oh nine, and that was Kipchoge. That was Kipchoge. Yeah, and he had the like the three or four previous records. Yeah. He was breaking his own records. Yes. Yeah, for a couple a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has to be a shot across the bow. Yeah. I mean, I. I I would think Kipchoge will come out at some point and say something, but you know. I would think so. Yeah. Well, and then finally, as good as Kipton's race was, I don't know that it was the most impressive run of the day. And let me let me argue my case, okay? Safan Hassan ran two thirteen for for women. Now, three weeks ago, two thirteen would have been the world record, but Tigas Sefa ran two eleven here a few weeks ago in Berlin. So it's not the world record, but it is still the second fastest marathon ever. And you say, okay, well, that's, that's pretty good, but it's not as good as Kelvin Kiptum. Now let me put, let me put it in perspective. Safan Hassan, a little over a month ago, medaled in the 1500 meters on the track at the world championships. Now how impressive does it sound? <laughs> yeah, that's, isn't that crazy? Yeah. On, on top of the world in the marathon and the 1500 at virtually the same time. I mean, those two trainings, you know training. I don't know how many people listening to this understand how different the training is for a 1500-meter runner versus a marathoner, but they're, they're, they're worlds apart. They're, they're not the same. Yeah, to say I know that training, I don't because I've never been in that world. It's, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a completely different world. I, I don't even know the basics of 1500-meter training. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the basics. Yeah. Because it is, it's that different. Yeah, it's just it's mm. it's not. So, both Safan Hassan and Kelvin Kiptum, congratulations to both of them. Great sure. day and um, a lot of fun to talk. It's going to be fun to watch in the next twelve it months. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's going to be done in the next twelve months. You think? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's just, I mean it's just, and, and I have no other basis for saying that other than. I saw how this guy looked at the finish line. I, I, I know. I mean, he he had ten seconds in him in the last quarter mile, and then if you just shave one second a mile off that, I mean, that can be. I'm oversimplifying it. I understand what I'm saying, but well, it's in reach. The only reason why I don't think it'll be within the next year is because I think everybody's focused on the Olympic marathon. That is the most important marathon, and I think everybody will be really focused on it. So I don't know is how many people. Is it? Is the Olympic marathon rise to sub two hour? I think it does. I do. I really. Th- I, th- I think winning the Olympic marathon is. God, I would important. think there's a pot of gold well, sitting on the other side. I don't disagree with you. Hour. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. from a monetary standpoint. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. 
Well, it'll be interesting yeah, to watch. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. All right. Let me leave you with a trivia question for this week. This one's very, very simple and very straightforward. Of course, I said that about the, the length of tracks, too, and I found out it wasn't as simple as I thought. So maybe this one's not as simple as I think. What is the best-selling book of all time about running? If you know the answer to that, send that to Dean You mean it's at not Run the for Run God. for God 5K Challenge? Well, it's close. We're close. Oh. I'm sure we're okay. top ten. Well, but Maybe I'm being a little too yeah. hopeful there. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> it's all good. Send your answer to Dean at RunForGod.com. That's right. And, and be the win. first one mm-hmm. and uh, with the correct answer, and you will win $20 off in the run for god store is it is it is it one of the ones that i would know yes okay. i think so i think i think you know the answer to this one i think if you guessed it you'd guess it right i think let, let me let me give a hint and you tell me if i'm right or wrong okay this will be a hint for people okay is it the book sitting over your right shoulder on thursday night lives it may be it's laying sideways i think it is yeah okay yeah. that's a hint for you people out there Go watch Thursday Night Live now, and you'll find the answer. There you go. All right. Well, I'll leave you with this motivational thought of the week. It comes from Henry David Thoreau. He said, what you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals. Mm -hmm. That kind of goes along with the story for this Mm -hmm. week, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's the journey. It's not the destination. Kind of goes with the Dean's thoughts for this week, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Isn't it funny? How all of these things. You don't plan any of this. Nope. And they all just tie together without any intention at all From on my part. Now, there is an intention, I'm convinced, by somebody else to pull it all together, Mm -hmm. but not by me. So in our materialistic world, we often want to know what we're going to get for finishing that marathon. Mm -hmm. But it's what we become that is the gold at the end of the uh, rainbow there. So 187 episodes. We don't have an end point here. No. We're, we're just along for the journey. That's that's it. And yeah. keep listening in the weeks to come. we got some humongous announcements coming. That's right. We're just so excited. Yep. So keep listening. Keep sharing. Remember, we're trying to hit that 100,000 mark by the end of the year. Um, that would just be incredible. But that's only done through you guys listening. That's right. Uh, sharing, uh, rating, giving reviews reviews all that kind of stuff i don't know how that works but it works we know that it works so that's right keep doing what you're doing thank you for being amen and until next week may god bless every step of every run and or walk go out there and shine your light good job Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.